Welcome to the MWC Church Podcast. MWC Church is a place where you can belong, believe, and become the person God's created you to be. Thanks for joining us online. Invite to our stage uh, Pastor Dean McCormick. Pastor Dean McCormick, if you can just join me. Some of you are like, who, who is Pastor Dean McCormick? We, Pastor, we know we've been going through a lot of transition, but did you just hire somebody else? No, I didn't hire somebody else, but uh, Pastor Dean McCormick is somebody, unless you've been here since... Uh, 1977 until 1994, or unless you go to our Sunday school class, uh, the adult Sunday school class, you would have no idea who Pastor Dean McCormick is. So uh, I kind of, the proof is in the name, pastor. So he's a pastor. Um, He was actually a pastor at Maranatha Worship Center, our church, from the years 1977 to 1994. Here, why don't you join me closer? Um, we, have a, we have a long, rich history at MWC. Um, I know you see a, a young man up here, but this isn't a church plant. Uh, we stand upon the, soldier, or the, the shoulders of giants, men and women who have gone before us. Our church was planted in 1922 by a female evangelist known as uh, Annabelle Hartman. And uh, from that rich legacy, our church has been in this city for almost 100 years. We will celebrate our 100 years in 2022. It's incredible. And uh, I stand in in, in line of a long, rich legacy. And Pastor McCormick stands in line uh, in this rich legacy as well. And he is perhaps one of the strongest links that we have in this chain, this legacy of MWC Church. Um, He was actually, I, I believe you are the longest serving pastor our church has ever had. Is that correct? Almost 17, or almost 17 years. Um, so I have a goal to beat you, okay? <laughs> I'm ridiculously competitive. 25 years is, is, is okay, thank you. <laughs> so the, the reason why I want to honor, yes, give it up for Pastor McCormick. It's beautiful that he's even here. Um, the, the, just the timing of all this that the Lord would bring you. you he's a, a member of our church. He's not here to visit. He is here to stay. Uh, that doesn't happen in the church world. Like pastors don't come pastor and then come back. Like it just, it just doesn't work. Uh, but it works because God is awesome. Um, and, and he is here. And, and this pastor was the one who was responsible in 1984, I believe. In 1984, you voted or you led, encouraged the church to purchase this plot of land for over $200,000, 27 acres on an undeveloped side of which there was nothing. What was here? What was, what was here on this yeah. side? Nothing was here. But he knew the Lord gave him the vision to plant here. And now when you look around, you could not imagine this place not being full. We got Costco. <laughs> Come on. Like, like this, this is awesome. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Yes. Yes. If the Lord didn't give him the vision, and if he wasn't obedient to that vision, we would not be here. What you see out there is because of the faithfulness of the generations before us. We are one part of a legacy that God desires to do in this city. If you feel like you are just a, a person consuming a, a spot in a pew, I'm here to tell you that God has greater plans for your life. We are all part of, of something beautiful. The Lord says that the gates of hell will not shake the church, that he prevails, that he's constant, and that he is forever victorious. Amen? So today, Pastor, uh, we, we have a little gift for you. Um, I have a little fact sheet, that's in case I forgot, but I remembered all the facts. Um, this is a, a card, it's, just a, it's a small token. Um, in there, um, there is a, a gift card for free coffee for the rest of your life. <laughs> so I need the energy. <laughs> Uh, that's for you and, and Patsy, free coffee for the rest of your life. You guys just come in, you show them that card, and, and if they don't know already who you are, uh, you will have free coffee forever. Um, Thank you. Yes, you. absolutely. Love you. We love you. Give Pastor D. McCormick a hand. Thank you, Bob. Oh, my goodness. Free coffee. Somebody was like, Man, that's, if, if, we really, if we really add that up, we have, we have some very sharp financial minds. Like, if you really add that up, and they, they just like threw out this astronomical number, and I'm like, listen, you have no idea how much it costs to lead a church 
of about 100 people at the time to purchase land in the middle of nowhere for over $200,000 on 27 You have no idea how much of that costs. This is a drop in the bucket of, of honor. So, man, we believe to give honor where honor is due. We believe that God rewards us when we choose to walk in honor, when, when we honor the people that the Lord has placed in authority over us. Uh, children, and that should be all of us because you were born, honor your parents, honor your mother and father. Uh, we should honor the leaders that God has placed in our midst. Amen? Amen. Awesome. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Matthew 28. We're about to jump in. Um, oh, so I never finished telling my, 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 uh, my, uh, my, my, my what's it called, um, testimony or the, goodness, I'm blanking right now. Uh, just a, something I want to celebrate really quick. So um, I set the goal for $100,000. I was like, man, this is crazy. It's an audacious goal. Uh, we have to raise 20000 by Easter like, uh, so that we can hit that $100,000 threshold and say, hey, we, we put up $100,000 for, for this facility. Um, it was $20,000 in a span of a couple of weeks, and I'm here to tell you that, that we didn't hit it. Uh, we are at 99, or no, sorry, uh, yes, $99,011. I, I mean, that doesn't count yesterday. I believe we received another check. So we were $984 short, um, but I'm believing the Holy Spirit's going to speak to someone's heart. So here you go, Pastor. We hit that $100,000 mark by the end of this service. I said by Easter, technically Easter ends when I say amen, I guess. Um, so uh, if the Lord speaks to your heart, let, let's hit it. But, but either way, we $99,011. That's not including, ready to hear this? That's not including that $35,000 random check we received that wasn't earmarked to the building campaign. But uh, if we threw that, we were way over. So we hit it. Come on. That's awesome. We did that together. We sacrificed. We gave and we cut and slagged. We just did tons of things and, and we hit it. And God has been faithful. He's faithful. Amen? Matthew 28. Let's go ahead and turn our Bibles there. Today, we're going to hear about a, a story of, of, of some individuals that went from emptiness to fullness. And I'm here to tell you this morning that all of us can point back in time to a period where one encounter, one, one story, one factoid completely switched who we were and who we became. I recall the time, and maybe you remember this, the time my dad had the talk with me. Um, the talk where he told me that Santa did not exist. I don't know what talk you guys were thinking of. It's Easter, we, we don't talk about that. <laughs> that was a joke, all right. I'm write that out of my notes for next year. Don't do that joke next year, okay. Um, all of us are, are, are one encounter away from a time where, where we, we, we are a version of ourselves to a future version of ourselves, right? Like, like the time I, I learned that, that wrestling was fake. I remember the time my, my uncle sat me down and was like, listen, uh, Hulk Hogan isn't real. Like he's not, he's not really Hulkamania. And, and that Undertaker guy, he's really not a Undertaker. He's just a guy who wears makeup and has contact lenses. And I'm like, what else is a lie? Are you even my uncle? Like, like what, what is going on? Like, just paradigm, like, like my paradigm shift, my, my earth was shattered. Um, uh, I remember the time when I, I discovered what, what the purpose of the, 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 the two stripes on the road were, the, the double solid line. Um, I grew up, when I was, when I, when I was 16, I, I got my license uh, pretty quickly uh, because of a movie known as Fast and the Furious. And um, uh, Vin, Vin Diesel and, you know, uh, just an awesome, awesome uh, movie. I loved it. Uh, I was 16 years old, and I just got my license, and that was the worst movie for a 16-year-old with a license to watch, but hindsight's 2020. So um, I purchased a Mitsubishi Galant. Uh, it was a junker. Like, it had, it had no bumper. <laughs> it was like, it was a junker with no bumper. That's a sermon somewhere, but it's not. It shouldn't be. Uh, anyway, um, so, so I got this car, and uh, my friend, he had a, a Mitsubishi Eclipse, and, and we were always like talking about who's faster, who's faster. So we're like, you know what, let's go ahead and race to our other friend's house. Horrible idea. It's February in Chicago, and uh, there's snow on the ground, but we're like, let's race, okay? So, so we're racing to my friend's house. I'm telling you what not to do, okay? So I, I get in my car, my friend Steven Garcia is sitting next to me, and, and, we're, and we're driving, and, and my friend in the Mitsubishi Eclipse is kind of smoking us. He's, he's past us. He's, he's ahead of us, and, and I think the only way to beat him is if I go into oncoming traffic and I uh, pass him. That's the only way that I can, I can possibly beat him because our turn is right around the corner. <clears throat> so uh, we're, we're driving and uh, we're going up a hill and I get into the other lane and my friend Steven's like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm like, Monica, <laughs> right? Like, like fast and the furious and I hit the Nas button and we're like, 
Didn't have Nas. That would have been awesome, though. Uh, it was literally just the, the button for the hazards, and that's what I would hit, like, Nas, and it didn't work. Um, so so we, we pass them up, and as we're passing them up, notice I, there is, we're, we're like literally in oncoming traffic. There is a truck in front of us. I swerve in front of him, and uh, he doesn't hit me, but I, I turn the wheel too hard, and I hit a, a patch of black ice, and I'm spinning. And uh, I mean, we're spinning so fast at this point, we're going back in time. Like, like this is like back to the future. Like, we are going back, and it's just so ridiculous, and I'm screaming. Uh, my friend's laughing, and I'm like, why are you laughing? He's like, this is awesome, and I'm terrified. I'm holding on to this, and then we finally stop, and uh, he's, he's cracking up. I'm crying. <laughs> he's like, dude, do, do you know what those uh, double-striped lines are? And I'm like, no. Are they just aesthetics? He's like, no. You don't pass a double-spotted, like, like, like a, a double-striped line. You, you just don't do that. Like, it means that the people that are coming from the opposite direction, they can see you, but you can't see them. That was a moment in my life where I completely transformed. I went from being a bad driver to a less bad of a driver. <laughs> All of us are one moment, one encounter, one story, one fact away from being a emptier version of ourselves to a more full version of ourselves, a, 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 a knowledge or an unknowledged version of ourselves to a, a knowledgeable version of ourselves. And I'm here to tell you today that there has never been a point in human history when we look at the epoch of time, when we, when we look at, at the earliest recordings of history to now, there has never been a period in human history where all of humanity was shifted from one point to another, where we went from death to life, when we went from from, from emptiness to viewing an empty tomb and understanding life eternal, I'm here to tell you that resurrection is the one moment in time that changed absolutely everything. And the beautiful thing, yes, give God praise for that. The beautiful thing is this, resurrection is not just a point in history, it is an everlasting reality. We live with the reality of resurrections in our heart every single day. What Christ has accomplished 2,000 years ago, as the sun rises, we too can recall the realization of resurrection, amen? So in, in Matthew 28, we see this, and we, we're gonna see these, these women shift from death into life, from emptiness into completion, and I'm here to tell you right now that that same power, that same freedom is available for us. The word of God tells us in Ephesians chapter one, verse 19 to 20, it says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness, everybody say incredible, incredible greatness the ESV, a more uh, literal word-for-word -word translation, would say this, the immeasurable, literally off the charts, you cannot even begin to contemplate or quantify the power, the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. It's not just talking about the incredible power of God. This passage is telling us there is incredible power available to those who believe in God. And then Paul gives us this fact. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. I'm here to tell you this morning that that same power that we saw 2,000 years ago is an everlasting, ever-present reality for all of us who believe in him. If you feel powerless, if you were like, you know what, pastor, you talked about bench presses earlier. I can't bench anything. Like, like these arms, these are like, I'm talking about myself for a second. We have power available to us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us. And I mean no disrespect, and I pray you know that I'm not trying to come across as pretentious or condescending, but I believe right now all of us in this place are either an empty version of ourselves or a full living and resurrected power version of ourselves. I'm not trying to give a self-help message this morning about a couple of things you can do this Easter to live a more fulfilling life. I'm explicitly saying there is only one way to experience the fullness of life, and I mean this with all love and respect and seriousness, but that transition from empty to fullness happens at, in, and through the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, we are going to observe in our Bible how these women went from empty to fullness. This was the catalytic difference. So despite common belief, because we are living in a society where we love transformation, right? We have a day, it's called Transformation Tuesday. 
where everybody goes on social media and puts a, pic, a baby picture, and they're like, look at this Transformation Tuesday. I'm here to tell you, despite common belief, no lasting transformations come from formulas sold to us today. And if we're being honest, there are a lot of formulas presented to us. Uh, no multi-level marketing scheme will bring the transformation that you want. Uh, and, and some of you are about to throw some essential oils at me. Like, listen, I got enough already, all right? Um, they didn't, these women that we read about in Matthew 28, they, they did not buy into a multi-level marketing plan that made them rich and influential. They didn't get them gains at the gym and that made them a better version of themselves. They, they didn't get their eyebrows on fleek and then feel finally complete. They didn't go from wearing Jesus sandals to Jordans and, and started up in their shoe game and started feeling like they were better versions of themselves. They didn't hold yoga poses for, for hours on end on social media until they got that blue check mark of verification, say they finally have transformed. They didn't even have to switch their diets to paleo or vegan. Like, listen, nothing they could have done. No, no plan that is, is peddled to us today is enough to bring the transformation that we truly desire in eternity. The true transformation that really makes all of the difference. And, and listen, I'm, I'm saying there is nothing wrong with multi-level marketing. Like, there's nothing wrong with essential oils. There's nothing wrong with, with getting your eyebrows on fleek. In fact, I wish I had a pair of Jordans now. Like, there's nothing with none of, none of those things. Those things are, none, nothing in that is inherently wrong or bad. Like, those things are great, but they don't bring transformation. There's only one that can truly bring transformation. And I believe if we're honest with ourselves, we would stand to admit and say, you know what, pastor? We can't afford some transformation in our lives. I'm discontent with the, the true feelings of, of life. Easter's beautiful. You put on your best and you, you celebrate the resurrection. You celebrate joy. High fives all around. It's awesome. Uh, it, it's full. Like people are, but, but, but what happens on Tuesday when, when the peeps have been digested? What happens on Wednesday when you found all the eggs? Or maybe Sunday when you realize like, oh, we didn't find all the eggs and our house stinks, right? Well, what happens then? I'm here to tell you transformation can only happen through resurrection. And Jesus desires you, friend, to be transformed. Because he desires for you to, to live the life that he's called you to live. You are not an accident. I don't care what your parents have told you. You were planned. The Lord has a, if you are sucking air this morning, the Lord has deposited his thumbprint in your life and says you have value and worth and I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. And the only way you can tap into that is not through those formulas that we just talked about, it is through Jesus. And I stand as someone who's had to experience that firsthand. So what did these ladies do to go from emptiness to fullness, from, from, from emptiness to completion? Well, we know this. They love emptiness to the grave and came to realize that there is a risen Savior who was real and alive, and that same Savior is alive today. His name is Jesus. You might say to me, Pastor, you know what? I don't feel empty, right? Like, like life is pretty good. Um, the job situation is going well. Uh, uh, we're paying our bills on time. We're even saving up a little for retirement. And, uh, or, or you know what, Pastor? I'm, I'm actually a student and, and life's pretty good. Like I'm living on loans right now. I don't gotta pay those for another four years. Like this is great. <laughs> life is good. I got my girlfriend. You know, like I got my boyfriend. Like, like life is pretty good. Um, despite where we find ourselves today, statistics, facts would tell us that our feelings are contrary. Facts don't care about your feelings. And when we look at, at facts, we see that statistics tell us that we are not as complete as we'd like to believe. Um, in fact, I, I was reading a book by uh, Dr. Twenge. It's called iGen. And in this book, she's a, a psychologist. She's, she's very reputable. She, she writes for Psychology Today, and uh, she's been uh, on, on uh, Times Weekly. Like, she's, she's an incredible uh, doctor. But she surveyed and she's discovered this. She says, teens in the 2010s, just compared to those living in the 1980s, were 38% more likely to have trouble simply remembering things. 74% of them are more likely to have trouble sleeping and twice as likely to have seen a professional for mental health issue, just in, in the 1980s, just the, the difference. 
So although we are living in a time and age where we have more access, more, more things available to us, I mean, right at, at the drop of a hat, uh, you now can, can access information, and, and we have tons of access as a people, as a society. We are living in the best times in human history to access to healthcare and access to, to all these things under the sun. However, we are living in a time period where people are admitting to feel more empty. She continues to say and says this, college students are 50% more likely today than they were in the 1980s to say they feel overwhelmed. And adults are more likely to say their sleep was restless and to say they had poor appetite and everything is an effort than they were just in the 1980s. Now we can look at those those facts and say, oh, that just means people gotta toughen up. Or we can be empathetic and see maybe there is a condition that is happening that we are chasing and running after that doesn't satisfy, and that in our inner selves, there is a desire that can only be filled by something greater. Listen, I know some of us self-medicate, and I'm not just talking to alcohol and drugs and, and this and that, I'm talking about entertainment. We, we try to just, to, to just set aside all those things and to hide away and mask away the, the emptiness, and I'm here to tell you that Jesus, one interaction with him, will give us life and life abundant. Almost 40% of Americans are more anxious today than they were at this time last year, according to Time Magazine 2018, a poll by the American Psychiatric Association. Friends, we are not living in fullness. If we are being honest with ourselves, society, people all around us, and certainly people in here, if we're gonna be completely honest and humble and stop playing church, we would say that we are not as full as we'd like to be. Matthew 28, ready for this? After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, can we just have a moment of silence for the other Mary? I I have a theory that the reason why she is unnamed in Matthew's gospel account, this is just a theory, don't, I'm not writing a theology book, right? Um, I, I I have a theory that Matthew was dating a girl named Mary, and she was there, and he's just like that other Mary. <laughs> like, he was just bitter, right? Uh, so, so Mary Magdalene and the other Mary uh, went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lighten, lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like a dead man. Now, I have been hanging out with uh, younger people. Uh, I'm a young person myself. Uh, Matthew is pretty relevant because he's like, they were shook, right? So, uh, all right, let's keep going. (laughs) The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Jesus is awesome. Like I could just imagine at this point like some some Ray-Ban glasses came and it said thug life over it. And it said, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Like, Like you could say anything and he's just like, Greetings, right? They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers, the disciples, to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Today, in our text today, I believe if we were just to stay in Matthew, we wouldn't see the fullness of what happened at the tomb. So we're gonna be jumping around in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four gospels have um, a, a version to share of the, the, the resurrection scene. Now, I recall before I was a, a believer, in fact, I was uh, not just agnostic or an atheist, I, was, I, would, I would, identif- or would have identified myself as, as anti-theist. I was anti-God. So whenever I would study the scriptures, and yes, I studied the Bible before I was a Christian because I was uh, hell-bent, literally, on, on proving, disproving this, this word, uh, and God is just way better and smarter, so I lost. Um, but, but I remember when I was reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I would see 
uh, what I called inconsistencies in fact. Uh, one version of, of, of the gospel would say that there was Matthew, or that there was uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary at the tomb, while another translation says uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary the, the, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, and uh, Mary uh, the sons of Alphaeus, or, or one would say Mary the mother of, of James and Josies, and one was James and Joseph. So I'm like, clearly, if there's all these inconsistencies and the Bible can't be trustworthy, and if the Bible can't be trustworthy, then this is all a lie. But we have to understand if something were to happen, if there, were, if there was a car crash that happened right in our sanctuary, like I'm talking like just came onto the stage and then the insurance had to pay for a brand new sanctuary, which we would receive that in the name of Jesus. Um, if that were to happen and, and the news came and said, tell me what you saw, Every single one of us would have seen the exact same story, but we would tell it from the perspective that we witnessed it. True? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are telling the exact same story, and they're not saying that it was only Mary Magdalene and only the other Mary. He's just saying, the, the way I see it, the story that I'm telling, this makes the most sense. Um, so, so please, let us not fall into that trap of thinking that the Bible is not trustworthy because of some inconsistencies. Those inconsistencies aren't inconsistencies. It's just someone's version of the story that they're trying to convey. That's why we see the Gospels and we read them together, not just as individual units. We see it as a multifaceted diamond, each sparkling a different spark. So, so this is absolutely trustworthy. Amen? Amen. I don't need your amen, I believe it. All right, uh, so the traits of an empty person. When, when we look at, this, at the story of these four women, uh, or, or these women, um, we see it within the four gospels, we see that the first thing that they struggle with, they are, they are clearly emptier versions of who they would become. And I wanna give you just four traits, as I see it, as revealed in scripture, four traits of these empty women. The first one is this, they are exhausted. Man, if, if you are an empty person, if you are feeling empty, you would say, Pastor, I am exhausted. Pastor Steve, I am restless. I, I get, even if I get 10 plus hours, I still wake up and I am exhausted. And I don't even have toddlers living at home. That's a, that's a joke for all my toddler parents. God bless us. It's hard, it's hard. And then something glorious happens. According to my friends who have kids who are five and six years old, something amazing happens. They wake up and they can start making their own cereal. Praise the Lord, I, I'm just praying. I'm fasting for that. Um, but have you ever felt like no matter how much sleep you were getting, it, it wasn't enough? See, exhaustion is not a discriminator of gender, age, or race. It is an equal opportunity abuser. And I believe if we're honest with ourselves, we would agree to being more exhausted than we would like to admit in fact, statistically, 43% of Americans admit to being too exhausted to even function at work, according to the National Safety Council of 2017. It is a, a ever-present reality. Exhaustion has taken not the lives, but the produ production of countless people. Uh, it, it doesn't care if you're a celebrity. We know that uh, Mariah Carey has gone, gone out on record saying the reason why she is a, a mess, or was a mess, I don't know what she's doing these days, but the reason why she was a mess is because she was exhausted and someone said, well, aren't you using drugs? And her response was, why do you think I'm using drugs? I'm exhausted. Pope Benedict XVI, the reason why he was one of the only popes in all of Catholic history, Catholic church history, to resign from the papacy. Do you want to know the reason why? What he said, I'm exhausted. Exhaustion is a reality. And it doesn't care how much sleep you're getting. Because how many of you understand that, that the, the physical exhaustion doesn't even compare to the emotional exhaustion? These women were emotionally exhausted. Why, why is that, Pastor Steve? They were exhausted because they just witnessed the crucifixion. If you're just reading this passage alone, you don't realize what Matthew said in the chapter prior. He said this, Matthew 27, verse 50, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit and died. Verse 55, many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. They witnessed their Savior, the miracle-working Jesus, the one who they literally dropped everything. 
you have to understand the ancient Near East was a culture where women stayed back and, and the men were the ones who followed a rabbi. And yet these women were so revolutionary that they dropped everything and bucked back at the cultural confines and said, we are following Jesus. He's the only one that can bring us freedom. And they went all in. They sold everything they had. In fact, the Bible tells us that these women, you ready for this? Like, all oh, the single ladies? all oh, the single ladies. This is gonna be an awesome story. All of these ladies foot the bill for Jesus' ministry. They paid for everything. Like, that's baller. Come on, ladies, that's awesome. They paid for everything. Like, the reason why Jesus' ministry was even successful, I mean, it would have been successful because he's God and he, a thousand cattle on a thousand hill, but... The Lord allowed them to be the ones that foot the bill for his ministry. They gave everything. They were all in for Jesus. And they had just witnessed him bloodied, bruised, beaten, pierced. They saw him die. And remember, Jesus told his disciples, including these women, that he was going to Jerusalem, that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to die. He didn't say, I'm gonna faint, I'm gonna swoon, and, and, and I'm gonna wake up. He said, no, I am going to die, dead as a doornail, nilt, dead, done. But I will rise again in three days. And now these women saw Jesus go through all of that. They're exhausted emotionally. They're, they're beaten up. Mental fatigue, emotional fatigue is sat in. And you may say this morning, Pastor, I'm there. I drag myself to church. I'm exhausted. But Jesus promises us something. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, he says this in the message translation. He says this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And he says, walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus promises to give us rest to those who would admit and say, Lord, I'm exhausted emotionally, physically, what have you. Lord, I, I'm, I'm drained. These women were exhausted. Not only were they that, but the second trait of an empty person. It's not, so, so they're exhausted and restless, but now we see a spiral out of control. They, they go from being restless and exhausted to now these ladies are easily defeated. What do I mean by easily defeated? Well, some of you may feel easily defeated before you even begin to fight. You're throwing in the towel and saying, that's enough, I can't take any more. We're not even in the ring yet. It's because you're easily defeated. When a situation comes up, you're just like, oh, I'm done. This is it. It's over. These women were easily defeated. How do we know that? Well, in Mark 16, verse 1, look at this. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, everybody say Sabbath. Sabbath is an important word. I'm going I'm to teach you something this morning. Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. We see that and we're like, oh, how sweet. Like they love Jesus so much that they're going to buy spices to anoint his body. Uh, can, this is something the Holy Spirit revealed to me while I was studying this text. I've, I've preached multiple Easter Sunday services and, and this is the first time I've ever realized this. Do you buy, the purpose of, of, of spices and the purpose, the purpose of anointing a body is to preserve the body because it is dead. Amen, right? We understand that? Jesus told them that he was going to resurrect. If Jesus said that, hey, I'm gonna die, but I'm gonna come again, would there ever be a need for spices to anoint the body? No, because he would, he would come back. It takes over 40 hours for the body to start decaying and giving an ill, foul smell, and that's what the purpose of the spices and the anointing and the, and the linen, like, like they purchased these spices because they were like, this is it. Game's over. Jesus has been defeated. The least we can do now is, is hedge our bets and anoint his body. It's done. He told us all of these things and he promised that he would happen, but you didn't see the beaten savior on that cross. He's not coming back. When, when they pierced his side, he's not gonna overcome that. There's no way. 
We saw him. I mean, these women watched Lazarus, the friend of Christ, come out from the tomb. They saw his miracles, and now they were like, game's over. Let's sell everything and go back to the way life was before. In fact, even the male disciples, all of them were gone. The only one that we can possibly admit that was there was, was, was John Mark, held the mother of Mary in John's gospel. But beyond that, Peter went back to his father's business. He's fishing. Uh, we know that um, Judas had already committed suicide and he was the one who betrayed the Lord. Um, we know that uh, even Mark uh, was on that show Naked and Afraid. He was in the garden and someone grabbed his robe and he snuck out, he did one of these and he ran off naked. Like he's just a naked guy running on the streets. Everybody abandoned Jesus and now here are these women and, and, and they are, are trying to watch Jesus from a distance and they are completely defeated. Look, look what the Bible says there. It, it, it says Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, they went out and did that. It's unlawful to go to the marketplace and buy anything on the Sabbath. When is Sabbath? Sabbath starts Friday evening at sunset and it goes until Saturday evening at sunset. So Friday evening, they were like, because Jesus died Friday right before the Sabbath. He was dead on Saturday and then Saturday at evening, the first thing the ladies do is they run to Walmart and they're like, it's over. Let's go buy some spices. Not for a barbecue, to anoint Jesus' body because he is not coming back. They were defeated, friends. Now, you may feel there. You may feel like your situation is hopeless. You may feel like, like God has failed you and so did these women, but I promise you that when you follow Jesus, your story doesn't end in defeat. He promises to bring us victory. And these women were about to see it. They went from exhaustion to feeling defeated. And now we see that they are anxious. Oh, a word that has consumed our culture, anxiety. There is no other prescriptive medication that is passed out for anything else than that word we see on the screen, anxiety, anxiousness. And these women felt it in droves. How do we know these women were anxious? Well, look what happens in Mark 16. You ever realize when you are struggling with anxiety? And, and, I, and I, some of you have, known my, have heard my testimony where I was struggling with anxiety in the Lord a couple years ago. I'll share this story again sometime. But um, in Mark 16, this is how we know that these ladies were struggling with anxiety. Do you realize when you struggle with anxiety, you ask questions that don't make sense? Like, have you ever, have you ever like went through a very high anxious moment and, and you're questioning and wondering and, and all these questions are coming up and then, and then you see that on the other side after God shows up or something happens or someone, you know, helps you out, we're just like, why was I, why was I asking those questions? Like, these women were doing that. How, look, look what Mark's gospel tells us. Mark 16, verses two and three. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? It's, it's so heavy. We can't, we can't do this. Like, this is nuts. And, and they're, just, they're just asking all these questions, and they're completely anxious, and they're worried, and they're nervous wrecks. You see, there is a large difference between, some would say, oh, these ladies are just being detail-oriented. They're being planners. No, they are anxious. There, there's a large difference between being detail-oriented and being a person who struggles with anxiety. And I believe that the ladies here were stressed out and struggling with anxiety. You know what I know about anxiety? Anxiety doesn't come and show up on the front door. It breaks in through a window that you left open. And these women were exhausted and they left the window open of stress and worry and defeat and here was anxiety crawling in saying, there's no way you're gonna get to the tomb. There's no way you're gonna get to Jesus. You purchased all of these spices and, and now they're gonna go to waste. You, you're just a, a few women. And, and, and you know, this was before women were like on, on deadlift team and powerlift team and wearing yoga pants and just like killing, crushing people at the Y. Like, like this was a different day and age. Um, I get so jealous. All those girls can, anyway, stronger than me. All right, but God provides a solution to their problem. You know what I love? how often the Lord looks at our 900-pound stone in front of us and solves the solution that we were anxious about. These women were stressed about that tomb, about that stone, like there's no way we're getting to Jesus. But look what happens. Matthew says, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and just sat on it. 
As, as, if, as if the Lord is trying to convey something in the detail, saying, you were stressed out about this. The angel just, boop, just flicked it. 900 pounds. All of you ladies were stressed out, worried. Listen, you may be walking towards your place of impossibility. And I'm here to tell you that when you refuse to allow anxiety to cripple you and you trust the Lord, he will bring miraculous powers and he will do things that you cannot do in your own strength. He will send an angel to flick that tomb open and he'll just take a seat on there and just say, oh, you were worried about the stone? It was there and now it's here. Like, no big deal. God is powerful, friends. And these ladies are moving from emptiness to fullness as they're getting closer and closer and closer to the tomb. I believe the Lord can do the same with your obstacle. Are you allowing anxiety to cripple you? Are you asking questions and expecting things of yourself that when given to God become effortless? Friends, I believe that these ladies even go from being anxious to now being powerless and voiceless how many of you know there is nothing more defeating than feeling like your words or your actions can do nothing? Maybe you find yourself in a circumstance or a situation where you can't get out of and you feel like a victim and you feel like you're powerless or you feel like, like you have no strength. Well, these ladies were there too. Remember, they were watching everything that was happening to Jesus. They, they were living in a time and age where, where they couldn't even stand up and, and give testimony and say, you know what, the, Jesus is, is innocent. At this time, unfortunately, the, the, the voice of a woman didn't even hold up in court. She had, they had no strength, no power. They felt powerless and voiceless. You know what? Too many people look at their problems today and feel powerless because they're comparing the size of their problem to their own frame. Powerless people compare themselves to the size of their problems, but powerful people... I would dare say people that are living in the reality of the resurrection, powerful people hold up their problems to the size of their God. And it doesn't matter what you are walking through, what obstacle is coming before you, your problems will always cower in fear to the size of God everlasting. Your problems look like nothing in comparison. Your problems, God will send an angel to just sit on them and say, this was no big deal. So why do we allow exhaustion and anxiety and stress and worry and powerless and, and voicelessness to keep us from walking into the completion, the fullness that God has for us? Friends, today God wants to move you from emptiness to fullness. It's not a self-help remedy. There's no marketing schemes, no plans, nothing that you can do other than coming face to face with the tomb and seeing that Jesus is who Jesus said, that he is alive, that he is resurrected, that he is no longer in the grave, that 2,000 years ago he defeated all of the odds because he loves us, he cares, us, cares for us, he was obedient to the Father. There was never a moment where he cowered or, or, or looked away or there was never a moment where he did not continue to walk in obedience. Jesus Jesus is victorious. And that same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same victory that all of heaven began to joy and, and scream and shout and celebrate, that same victory is available today and now. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. He's our resurrected king. And he desires to resurrect us so that we too can be just like these women. What do I mean? Look at their transition from emptiness to fullness. Look what happens. The angel said to the women, and just quickly notice this. He says, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. And I love what the angel says. Just as he said, you can trust the word of the Lord. His word does not return void. If God proclaims a promise, you can hold on to that promise. It is stronger than any banknote. There is nothing that the Lord says that does not come into completion. So he is saying, reminding them, listen, Jesus said this was going to happen. Why are you worried? But look what he says here. And I think this is pivotal to going from, fullness, or from emptiness to fullness. So they, they first have a reality check. Jesus is alive. 
then they go to a experiential encounter. The angel says, come into the tomb and see. Your faith does not have to rest on the faith of someone else. God desires to deposit into your life the realization of who he is. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. It's not just an adoption of moral code or some ethics or some theology that you say, okay, I guess I'll believe. You don't sign on the dotted line and say, I guess I'll be a member of the church. He wants to have a personal, real relationship with you. The same way the angel invited those women to see the realization that the tomb was empty. He said, come and see. The Lord says to us, come and see. See that I'm real. I'm not trying to twist your arm. I'm trying to prove that I'm alive. This is our God. But he doesn't just stop there. It's not just experiential. Look what he says. The angel says, come and see. And then he goes on to say, go and tell. He doesn't save us just to prop us up and put us on a mantle. He saves us to say, you know what? It's time to get busy. It's time for us to declare to the world After you've declared the victory that Christ has given you, it's now time for you to declare that victory that God has for them. We have a responsibility. You find fullness in action, and these ladies did too. You know what I find beautiful? If Christianity was a fake, if Christianity was a farce, if it was all a giant conspiracy, why would they have used women in a culture where women were way lesser than men. Why would they use women, the testimony of women, to build the foundations of their entire faith? These were the first evangelists. These were the first preachers that we see that that, that proclaim the gospel, that Jesus was dead and now he is alive. And the Lord uses them, these women, only women, to go and proclaim the truth. We sit here today, not because Annabelle Hartman in 1922, but because of Mary Magdalene, A.D. 20-something. Guys, we can move from emptiness to fullness. Will you stand with me this morning as we conclude our time together? I want to just take a moment and I want us to pray. I believe some of us in this place, if we would just close our eyes and just allow the Holy Spirit to do his work and speak to our lives. Listen, I know you may be here because you're doing someone a favor. I've been there. Mom drags me to church or I'm going with one of my tias to church because it'd make them feel happy and it's Easter and I might as well do them a salad because they cooked ham. I've been there. Maybe you had no plans or intentions to even allow this thing that's happening in your life right now. I believe the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to people right now. You're experiencing a sensation in your heart that you're trying to deny or to shake, and you're like, this isn't real. This is just emotional manipulation. No, friend, this is God. He loves you, and he, he sees you where you're at, and he sees the emptiness that you walk in. He sees how you self-medicate and And for good reason, I I understand life is hard. He understands life is hard. He, He knows the things that you're walking through. And friends, he is not mad at you this morning. The Lord is not angry with you. You are his child and he desires to sweep you into his arms. His greatest desire this morning is that you would soften your heart. And that out of all the days, Easter, when we celebrate his resurrection, that you would make the decision to say, I'm done being empty. And I want the fullness of life. I'm exhausted. I'm running miles internally with no rest. I'm parched in a dry and weary land. I'm so full of anxiety. It's not even funny. I have pills for every single day of the week because I'm just so stressed out. I sleep and I don't find rest. I'm easily defeated. It doesn't matter what obstacle comes against me. Even if I see tonight and I know I can walk over it, I still trip up because I'm just easily defeated. I'm afraid. Friends, I'm telling you that if we would just come face to face with the 
empty tomb and realize that God has sent an angel to just sit on our problems and show us that it's not that big and that the tomb is empty and that Jesus is alive and that his desire is to meet us face to face and say greetings. He desires to throw his arms around us. If we would just receive that, I'm fully convinced because it's happened in my life anecdotally and the lives of thousands statistically. But if we were just to receive that, you, friend, if you would receive that, you would go from emptiness to fullness. It may, may not make sense here, but I promise you, it will make sense then on the other side. The enemy of your soul wants to keep you feeling empty. But the one who has come to redeem it wants to bring you life. Jesus says, I have come to bring them life and life more abundantly. I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. I have come to give them the eternal bread of life. I have come to fill them with living waters. And if you would say this morning, pastor, with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you would say, pastor, I want that life. I want that fullness. I want to experience that. Would you just lift up your hand so I know who to pray for? Thank you, Jesus. Hands all around. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you see these hands. You know where we're at. You love when we humble ourselves in your presence and admit that we're not where we need to be. Father, I pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts, proving to us that you are who you say you are. You are a great loving, merciful, gracious God, and you care for your people. You did not just come 2,000 years ago and, and die on a cross. If that was the case, it would have been a nice action that someone would sacrifice themselves for another. But God, you did the miraculous. You did what had never been done before. You didn't just sacrifice yourself for, for us. You rose again for us. You did what could not be done. And because of that, we now have everlasting life available for us. And that's not just a reality that comes when, when, our, when our ticker dies. It, it, it's something that we can walk in here and now. God, may you bring life to every individual under the sound of my voice. Because you are faithful. You are glorious. You are resurrected. And you are resurrecting us. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Let's worship him.